People everywhere need hope. And if people don't find hope from God's people, they will turn to substitutes that really won't satisfy their soul's deepest longings. If you want the church to grow, be a person of hope. If you want the church to grow, be a person of hope. And not only that, if you want the church to grow, think like a missionary. That's so important. Because God's people today wherever they may find themselves, are basically missionaries. The culture is in some ways foreign to the lifestyle that we choose to lead as people of God. Sometimes language is very foreign to the language which Christians ought to speak. I'm not talking about a holier-than-thou type of attitude. I am talking about the response of people who really do love God and who belong to God and have hope. We must think as missionaries today. For those of you that are older Christians, this is not the 1950s anymore. Our culture has changed so much, it's even more imperative for us to live our lives according to the book as people of hope. Turn to Acts chapter 20, please. In Acts chapter 20, you have the longest sermon from the Apostle Paul in Acts to a group of people who are exclusively Christians. In other words, Paul, most of the time when he's preaching and teaching, he's talking uh, to people who aren't Christians. And so his lessons are evangelistic, especially in nature. Or he's talking uh, to the courts of the land, and he's making a defense, a legal defense, for why he is a child of God. But when you look at Acts chapter 20, he is talking to Christians, If you want the church to grow, consult the world's second greatest missionary. He'll really give you some insight. The Apostle Paul is about whom I'm speaking. Jesus would have to be the world's greatest missionary. Wouldn't you agree? He came to seek and save that which was lost. You talk about a different culture, a different world, Luke 19.10. But oh, how much we can learn from Paul. And I'd like for us to study Acts 20 today in both sermons because people of God ought to give the world hope in Jesus Christ. And when we give hope and have hope, I think it will have a positive impact on the church and its growth and health. Let me share with you how this particular chapter, Acts 20, especially verses 17 through 38, how that the chapter resonates. It overflows with themes that Paul loved to talk about. I want to do that for a little bit, and then we'll look at some specific principles for how to help the church grow and give hope to a world that's lost without Christ. But notice these themes. Look at Acts chapter 20, 
And notice verses 20 and 21. In Acts chapter 20, verses 20 and 21, Paul speaks of faith toward God and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, those are things that he really emphasized, aren't they? Repentance toward God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance. A change, a turning, because one wants to turn their life around due to the hope they've been given in Jesus. God commands all men everywhere to repent, Paul would say in Acts 17 and verse 30. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance that gives people hope, Romans 2 verse 4. But he also talks about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to have hope, you have to put your trust in someone or something, don't you? And so you look at this chapter and it just is saturated with themes that Paul loves to talk about. Here's one I think a lot of us can connect with. Whether we are Christians or not, Look at Acts 20, verses 22 and 23. Trials and afflictions. Trials and afflictions. Those are something that we are familiar with all too much so if we've lived any length of time here on this earth. Trials and afflictions. And it's Paul who would say, "...with but much tribulation we shall enter the kingdom of God." You know, a person of hope can make it through just about any circumstance if we really believe something better awaits. Isn't that true? And so we can make it through trials and circumstances if we put our trust in the Lord and we have eternity in view, heaven. Keep looking. Look at Acts 20, verse 24, and here's another great theme that Paul just loves to talk about, and he's talking about it here as he's talking exclusively to Christians. He talks about the grace of God. The grace of God. I don't believe for a moment that Paul ever got over the fact that God had been gracious to him. Faithful is the saying and worthy of all acceptation, he said. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I obtained grace. I received grace from God. The grace of God. He had hope. And he can inspire God's people today to give others hope too in Christ. Look at verse 25 of Acts 20. He stresses the kingdom of God. In his preaching and teaching in his everyday life, there was an emphasis on the fact that Jesus is king and the king has a special people, his church. And that this church abides by the will of God, the New Testament. Go down just a little farther. Look at verse 28. He talks about the purpose of God. I suspect in your translation, you'll have something like this. The whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. The whole purpose of God. 
and the hope that He makes possible in Jesus. How we can have that through the gospel. Notice this from verse 28. He stresses the blood of Jesus. Isn't that something that Paul's all about? God's grace in the person of Jesus and His sacrifice, His shedding of blood at the cross. Romans 3, 24 through 26. But also see this from Acts 20 and verse 28. Paul emphasizes the church. And he emphasizes its being built up. How that the church is the blood-purchased people of God and how the church is to be built up. Acts 20 and verse 32. You got that? That's just a lot to take in and today it's just an introduction for our lesson. But I want you to see how the things that Paul talked about with leaders in the church is really no different than things he'd have been talking about if he were just sitting down with Logan and me if if he were alive today. He was so about these types of matters because these are matters that matter eternally. We should be about that too. If we want to give people hope and build up the church. Now here are five principles. Five principles for helping the church grow. By helping God's people grow more people can be given hope. By helping God's people grow and develop and be more healthy, our lives should be more healthy. Notice this, first of all. Live an exemplary life and talk about Jesus regularly. That's the first principle. Live an exemplary life and talk about Jesus regularly. You'll see this in Acts 20, verses 17 through 21. He invites the elders of the church at Ephesus to meet him. Ephesus was about 30 miles away from Miletus where Paul was. And yet they made that 30-mile trip. And in all likelihood, it would have taken them a couple of days by foot. But when Paul wanted to meet, there was such love and such a great relationship between these leaders of God's people and the Apostle Paul. They all came together. And Paul says... You know my manner of life from the first until now. In your Bibles, jot down by this, Acts 20 and verse 31. Because Paul was in Ephesus for about three years. As far as we know, Paul spent about as much time in Ephesus as in any place where he labored. You know, he would frequently move from place to place and talk to people about Jesus and the gospel. Well, he seems to have stayed as long, if not longer, in Ephesus than anywhere. But from day one till the time that he was going to leave them, 
some things had stayed the same. He had lived an exemplary life among them. By exemplary, I mean outstanding. Here's a guy who who put on the gospel and really wore it. Good news about Jesus. It was just part of him. Titus 2, verses 9 and 10. You talk about letting your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Well, Paul really wanted to show that through his living. Philippians 1, 27. But not just through his living, but through his instruction. From the first day until now, I was among you, and this is how I lived and how I spoke. Whatever anybody would say about him, nobody could say he didn't live right and he didn't try to speak right. How about us? Does your living really show how much you treasure Jesus and the hope you have in him? Do your words show how you treasure Jesus and the hope you have in Him? Keep looking at this section of Scripture because he goes on to to talk about being a person who lovingly but boldly engaged. He lovingly but boldly engaged others. He did this proclaiming, teaching, And testifying, the text says. Who? Who did he teach? He's indiscriminate. Jews and Gentiles. Where did he teach? Publicly and privately. Publicly and from house to house, it says. Don't miss an expression in Acts 20 and verse 19 because it's rich. It talks about the exemplary life and speaking of Jesus and the gospel that just so characterized Paul and ought to characterize us. Let's listen to this missionary if we want to grow the church. Serving the Lord. Do you see that expression? Serving the Lord. Now, Ryder, that term for serving means he is a bond slave. He's owned by Jesus. And he is just as happy and willing and and volunteering to be used by his master as he can possibly be. Because if you are not owned by Jesus, you don't have hope. You're owned by sin. Romans 6, verses 20 through 22. And he says, I serve the Lord and I serve the Lord with humility. There was an absence of arrogance and pride on the part of Paul. He was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about God and the cause of Christ. He was thinking about others. Does that sound like you and me? Sometimes people in the church, if they don't get their way about some matter of judgment, boy, they can throw temper tantrums and really make a scene. It sounds so unlike Paul, doesn't it? Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, there was an investment of effort and faith and feeling there, Waylon. I served the Lord while I was with you, and there were things that we cried about. 
I met with the Wolf family yesterday and I never laughed and cried so much at the same time as I did there. Dale and Wanda have been married almost 71 years. You think they had some stories to tell? With tears, what made Paul cry? You think about that because Paul wept when he considered his his nation and how so many people were lost. Romans chapter 9, especially verses 1 through 4. Often we pray for our nation and that's wonderful. But perhaps in private times and perhaps even more publicly at times, those prayers ought to be accompanied with tears. With tears. Because people are lost. Think about this one. He prayed for Christians who were young and struggling. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 4. And sometimes he wept as he thought about their struggles. He prayed when he thought about false teachers. He had tears. I tell you now, even weeping, Philippians 3.18, they're enemies of the cross of Christ. There was a real investment by Paul in Jesus, the gospel, and the people of God. Have you made a similar investment? I hope so. So that you can have hope too. Look at verses 22 and 23 of Acts chapter 20. Here's a second principle to think about. To give the world greater hope, the people of God need to be the ones that support and encourage and help others. You look at 20, uh, 22 and 23 here of chapter 20. Paul goes from things that they knew, the people that he was talking to, the Christians, you know about my manner of life and my consistent talking to you about Jesus and the gospel, the things that God only knows. Paul says, I know this. I don't know what lies ahead. I was wanting to go to Spain, Romans 15, 31, and tell people about Jesus there. But I'm going to go to Jerusalem first. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I do know this. The Holy Spirit has let me know, Paul says, that imprisonment and affliction await me there. What's the principle that's going to give people hope? Here it is. Trust in the providence of God. Trust in the providence of God. There is something wonderful for not being able to see 20, 25, 40, 50 years down the road. And while sometimes I wish I could... The more I live, the more I'm glad that I can just trust in the providence of God and cannot see ahead. It is interesting to look at this section of scriptures. And it says the Holy Spirit said this to him. Now Adam, the Holy Spirit didn't do what he did in Acts 16 and say, I forbid you to go to Asia. I forbid you to go to Bithynia. I forbid you to go now to Jerusalem. All the Holy Spirit said is, if you go, 
This is what's ahead. Imprisonment and affliction. Serving God faithfully can sometimes be hard. Paul pulls no punches. He's not trying to indicate anything to the contrary. He says, I don't know what's waiting me, but I know that this is what God's told me. But I'm still going to go. I'm still going to go to Jerusalem and preach and teach. And what would happen is this. He would be imprisoned. He would deal with affliction. And eventually through the appeals process, he would find himself in Rome. And there he would be tried for being a Christian. And what happens on that occasion is nothing short of remarkable. They are putting him on trial for being a Christian and a troublemaker, it seems. And what he does is put Rome on trial before God himself. You talk about someone who believes that God takes care of his people and provides for his own. Oh, how he did. The fear of man brings a snare. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. And Paul was not afraid of any individual. He was willing to stand up to the apostle Peter when Peter was wrong. Galatians 2, 11 through 21. He would stand up to anyone because he believed in the providence of God that God provides for his own. And Paul wasn't asking for an easy life. What Paul was simply doing was asking for an opportunity to tell others about the hope that's to be found in Jesus and the gospel. Number three. This is the passage that Cody read for us a moment ago. Look at Acts 20 and verse 24. And if you've got an iPad or, or some kind of a digital device, maybe you can highlight that. Because in many ways, Acts 20 and verse 24 ought to be the Christian's motto. If we have real hope in Jesus, a living hope in Him, then don't waste your life. That is what... Acts 20 and verse 24 is about don't waste your life. Here's what Paul says. I don't consider my life precious to me. It's not all about whether I live or die. It's not necessarily about how comfortable I am as far as the temperature how nice and padded the pews are that I sit upon. It's not really even about what fills my belly. What my life is really about is the hope that I have in Jesus and His gospel. And I have a ministry. I have a ministry that I don't want to waste. Don't waste your life. The closer I get to retirement, the less I want to retire. 
I guess the elders and me are going to have to talk about that sometime. Hopefully several years down the road. But anyway, the closer I get to retirement, the more I realize I just want to keep serving God. I want to preach and teach His Word. I want to, like Paul, testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Should there ever be retirement then in that sense? Karen, you get to go to a school where you get to talk to people about the Lord and you have a ministry. And every day you can be excited that you have a ministry where you can help somebody get closer to God. What is it that excites you in service to our God? While I was away in this gospel meeting in East Texas, I met a 95-year-old guy who could barely walk. Clay, you would beat him big time in a race. But one thing about both of you, both of you still knows what yanks your chain, what really makes you get excited. You want to talk about the Lord and His Word, and He wants to sing. And he gets up there, and you may think he's not even going to make it up those steps, but he makes it to the microphone, and that voice comes out, and he's singing his praise to God at age 95, and you would have never thought that a voice like that would have come out of a body that looked so, so fragile. But he loves what he is doing. Don't waste your life. Getting too involved in things that make no real difference in view of eternity and don't give people hope. A lot of people, they retire and what they think they want to do, I want to putter around, maybe travel a little bit. You know what often happens? Happened with my stepdad. He died. He died. It makes so much more sense to invest yourself in your ministry. Don't waste your life. And here's what I would long to hear. As more people come to retirement age, it would be wonderful. Even though you might not be able to do some of the things physically you once could, it would be wonderful if more people retirement age came to our shepherds and said, I'm going to have more time to devote to helping the cause of Christ now. Where can I go? What can I do? Who can I visit? What needs are there to make? Is there somebody to meet? What, is there somebody younger that I can encourage? And that would give greater life and hope to this congregation And to many other souls, wouldn't it? Number four. Look at verses 25 through 27. The principles we've looked at so far. Live an exemplary life. And keep talking about Jesus everywhere you go. Secondly. We talked about believing in the providence of God because none of us know what comes ahead. We don't know. We don't have perfect wisdom of the future knowledge. But we can trust in God and move forward. Third, don't waste your life. You've got to think bigger than just a career. 
You have to think bigger than just a job. You have to think bigger. Paul did. And the hope that he gives us impacts us and influences us even now to Jesus. Fourth. Be faithful to your ministry. Be faithful to your ministry. Paul says a couple of things. He says, I am innocent from the blood of all men. That is an amazing declaration. He's tried to live and speak in such a way that he can sincerely say, I am innocent from the blood of all men. Are you and am I? I realize that people make choices that end up with them being wrong with God. It's their choices ultimately. But often there are people who contribute to those decisions, aren't there? I am innocent from the blood of all men. Are you? Am I? What a wonderful... I I have been so in tune to my ministry from God, Paul says, that I can say that and I'm not bragging, but I sincerely believe that. Here's the second thing. I have not shrank. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I'm innocent from the blood of all men. And I didn't water down what the Bible says about sin. I didn't water down what the Bible says about salvation. I didn't change anything. I was faithful to my ministry here at Ephesus. And everywhere else I've tried to go. Have we been? You see, because Paul, it it wasn't about uh, uh, polls. It wasn't about popularity. It was about the provision made by God through Jesus and the gospel. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Sometimes comfortable people need to be afflicted and sometimes we need to keep in mind that people that are hurting need to be comforted. The whole counsel of God involves both. It seems to me that even now within the church there are some that will gravitate one direction, some that will gravitate the other. But what is desperately needed is a proper and appropriate emphasis and balance upon the whole counsel of God. Paul did that. And what I want to bring out here is Paul's talking to elders. He's talking to church leaders. He is a leader of sorts, an apostle, talking to church leaders about the church and the hope that it should give the world. But should not every individual Christian be concerned about the hope that the church should give 
to the world. We'll pick up there later today. Thank you for listening. The more I read this sermon, the more I am amazed at how crucial it is in 2019 if we are concerned about the lost and we're concerned about the growth and the health of the church, we have to think like a missionary. And if we're going to do that, there's no better missionary to look to than Jesus and the missionaries found in Scripture like Paul. What a marvelous, marvelous message of hope. Now, here at Westside, if we can get a whole group of people this entire congregation embodying the beauty of the gospel and speaking about Jesus on a regular basis everywhere they go. If we can get a group of people here at Westside who realize that there's going to be problems and afflictions and difficulties in life, but we're going to trust in the providence of God and just do what we believe is God's will. If we can get a group of people who will not waste their life but want to invest in eternity. And if we can have a whole group of people here at Westside that want to focus on their ministry and to such a degree that they will be innocent from the blood of all and they will not be accused of ever holding back when it concerns the whole counsel of God. If we can have a church like that, it could make a difference in Midland, Texas. Amen. If you're not a Christian, respond to Jesus in the gospel. Respond to His grace. Trust in Him. Turn from your sins in repentance. Be willing to confess that Jesus is the Son of God before this group of people and express the desire to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. We will not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God concerning